Hey, Thomas. You know what we should do for opening? You know, when, when like somebody's you? <laughs> coming over and you're like, I want to look, I want to look cool, right? You're like, okay, just you know, laugh like I just said something really funny. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That always works, that. right? So we can just come into this like the cold open with us laughing, like, oh, the pre-show is so hilarious. <laughs> if only you know how great the pre-show was. Take my wife, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all week. Tip your waitress. Or a waiter. Don't want to be normative. Um, how, how are things in terrible Florida? Cost us the election. Thanks. Didn't Florida get for Florida. Trump? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I don't think Florida cost the election, but maybe it did. Um, no, it did. How are things Probably going in South Carolina? Twice. Twice. Like, can you imagine? I mean, I, I mean, really, Al Gore was a tipping point. It's an, it's an inconvenient truth. Bugs Bunny was right. Saw saw that shit off. Just cut it off. Uh, South Carolina is, you know, we're we're South Carolina. You know, we're we're um, it's hot here. It's like a hundred degrees. Today was kind of nice. It was eighty one, and we had a breeze. I was like, oh, wow, this nice. is like Southern California. Yeah, we were almost to ninety today. Yeah, um, we're definitely old. We're talking about the weather now. <laughs> like, well, you know. Did you uh, see my, those grand- my, pictures my, of my, my grandkids elbow. on the Facebook? My elbow is oh. a little sore. I think we're going to get some rain in about three days. Actually, my back was hurting today. <laughs> uh, South Carolina is weird because we've got, and, and no one ever talks about this, but we've got these three different parts of the state. And I know every state has this, whatever. Screw you. I'm talking about South Carolina. Because everyone lumps South Carolina into like Andrew Jackson slash John C. Calhoun territory. You know, like crazy southern white guys with with bad hair who own slaves andrew uh, jackson was topical this week that's why i invoked him he might have been born here might have been born in north carolina really not sure it depends on who you ask anyway uh so south carolina has the low country down near charleston right yeah and then, then we have then we have the midlands right which is where i live now in columbia right and the Midlands likes yellow barbecue or mustard barbecue sauce. The the Low Country has this. They're they're mostly imports. Like yeah, there are some people that are born in Charleston, but most of those people are are gentrificators. Like they're they're moving into the territory. I think it's gentrifiers. <laughs> There's there there are a lot of old families, a lot of you know, a lot of cool names, a lot of a lot don't of don't talk about gentrificators if you don't even know how to pronounce it correctly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Charleston is like the Brooklyn of the South. You know, like there's some there's some cool, you know, old families, but most of the people that live there now aren't from there. And then you've got my least favorite part of the state, which is the upstate. Whereas they call, well, well, what did I see the other day? Uplander or something? I'm like, don't you dare. You're you're upstaters. You're upstate. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's Greenville, Spartanburg and and Greer. And they're they're sort of on this I-85 corridor between Charlotte and Atlanta, but it's the really conservative part of the state, like in in kind of the Jared Kushner weird conservative part, you know, like kind of makes you uncomfortable because you don't really know what they think about things because they're kind of Calvinist and conservative. So they they know what they think about things because it's already set in stone. Uh, Here in the Midlands, Columbia was a planned city, and it, it still has that feel to it. You know, like everything's very kind of, planned and, and we, we kind of exist between that that low country uh you know almost faulkner-esque type stuff and then the upstate but then uh, there's the part of the state where i'm from that nobody talks about called the the pd and that's PD, down in yeah. yeah florence myrtle beach that area 
the, the Grand Strand, you might hear. And the PD. If you grew up is, listening to beach music, the D, yeah. I mean, you know beach music, right? I grew up listening to beach music and shagging and stuff like that. <clears throat> um, so it was, it was in all that not, music. Not, yes, not in that way. We have a lot of people yeah. from. <laughs> Let's laugh. I know. We do have a lot of internationals. We don't mean shagging Dance. as in the, yeah, um, the sexual intercourse thing. Um <laughs> Because there's yeah, other types of intercourse. <laughs> Not like the gun intercourse. <laughs> Just a sexual intercourse. <laughs> but, I mean, this is 2017, right? I mean, your body, your rules. But hey, I um, want to be normal. But, yeah, in, in beach music, it is always kind of like it's the strand. It's the grand strand. Yeah, so that that's yeah. what I would have. I mean, obviously, no, it's called the PD. But that's I would have grown up calling it like the grand strand. Yeah, when there were a lot of Native Americans there and plantations in the 1700s and 1800s. So the Harrelsons, my family, first moved there in 1787. Uh, we came down from Virginia, Paul Harrelson, well, actually Josiah Harrelson. Um, he settled in Georgetown. And uh, so anyway, my, my family goes way, way back there. And um, we probably did own people terrible to, to think about, but, you know. It is what it is. Uh, anyway, that, that's kind of a forgotten part of the state because there were so many plantations and so many um, slaveholding areas or plantations uh, that um, after the Civil War, it was kind of this, like, what do we do with that part of the state? So so people left it behind. Anyway, I don't know why we got into the History 101 part of South Carolina, but South Carolina is a weird state, you know, because... We're so seemingly uh, homogenous, but not really, you know, and, and there's different food. Like if you get onto my part of the, the, the state, we, we eat chicken bog and we have vinegar based uh, barbecue and like I, I, I never had brisket until college. I didn't know what brisket was. I never heard of brisket, you know, and then you go to Texas and people are like, oh, you want some barbecue? And they put like a big slab of meat, like brisket in right. front of you. And you're like, what the hell is that? That's not barbecue. Or you go to California and people say, hey, you want to go to a barbecue? And they make, like, hamburgers and hot dogs on a grill. And you're like, "What? this is a hamburger. This is not barbecue. <laughs> right. But we're barbecuing. I'm like, that's a verb. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful wait, day. Wait, wait, that was all about... Wait, what was it? It was about the weather? Or was it about barbecue? I don't get it. Just I mean, You were asking how things were in South Carolina. And so I'm just <laughs> okay. this, uh, so of course, we have to talk about, you know, the, the history of South Carolina and barbecue choices. It's, right. it's like a it's, it's like a black river, you know. It, it just kind of flows slowly through history. Nothing really changes. But how are uh, how are things on there? You doing okay? Holding together? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm going on vacation next week, so I'm really excited about that. So where are you going? Well, uh, we're going to that. yeah, we're going to a little island here in the Gulf of Mexico. So for oh, well, I'm so sorry, geez. Are you gonna take your uh, helicopter? <laughs> yeah, no, no, Family no. You can, drive, you can drive there. So um, it'll be it'll if be I guess fun. it. Will you tell me if I'm right? Sure. Yeah. If you're oh, wait, from you Tallahassee, said... like people that live in Tallahassee will know automatically what I'm talking about. Cuba. Imagine. <laughs> it's only 90 miles south. Actually, it's a lot more than 90 miles south from us, but. Yeah, Amelia Island. No, that's Jacksonville. No, that's yeah, north of Jacksonville. Mm, I don't know. It's actually. Um, hmm? Is that in? And that's not in the Gulf either. Yeah. So no, it's on the other side. Yeah, but yeah. So I'm going on vacation next week. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, but um, 
Yeah. So what else is going on? So I became a. Um, I know. I became a. Uh, what is it? Professional level in Todoist. Oh. So it's going again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's there's different levels. There's all kinds of different levels. So. Um, you know, once uh, once one time. Um, speaking of South Carolina. Uh, Paul McCartney and John Lennon were smoking weed with Bob Dylan in London in 1964 backstage before a show. And they got really high before the show. And evidently, evidently they went on and, and performed the show and they were fine. But um, like while they were smoking, uh, Paul says, you know, I, I think I've, I've realized that the many of existence and there are seven levels. And so John Lennon later wrote a song called And Your Bird Can Sing, and he references that line. So, anyway, I don't know. Just tying that in because I thought it was funny with your... You've seen reality. Exactly. I'm in the... You're your master. I'm climbing the Todoist level, the Todoist ladder to, um, I don't know, Nirvana or something. Is that what happens when you become a grandmaster? uh, Let's see. I am at... Oh, I've got to check off my stuff today. Boop, boop, boop. Okay, daily goal achieved. I do about 10 tasks a day, typically. I mean, we, so mine's kind of weird. I use Trello and, and Todoist, and I use Zap, right. Zapier, Zapier to, to hold those two together. Um, how do you see what your level is on the website? Click on the, the number, the Karma number, and then click on Karma Updates. Karma, oh, Karma Updates, I see. I'm at... Uh, I'm a master. Right, which is have, over 10,000. I have 12,060. So I become That's a grandmaster. Sounds like the KKK at 20,000. Yeah. But you become enlightened over 50,000. Like, you're really close. I'm just a professional, so I'm just over 5,000. No, it's not bad. Yeah. But you just started using this. That's true. I just started using yeah, you're it. You're 5,000. So. How, many, how many... Like, are you doing, like, 50 a day or something? No. No, no, no. I don't know my what is my average. Um, I don't know. My daily goal is like three. I mean, I meet that every day, but um, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> but yeah. anyway, no, I've been I've been really enjoying Todoist, and it's completely replaced Vendorless for me. See, I told you. And oh, so that's, that's why I brought it up because I became like a professional, and so they were like, "Hey, congratulations! Here's." A code for like three free months, and here's another code for three free months for a friend. So wait, wait, um, I didn't get that. I know I had to give first dibs to the person that I live with. Um, so she's deciding if she wants to use it or not. So if not, it's going to. <laughs> I turned you on to this. I've got five times as many points as you. I know. I know you completely heads, heads deserve it. Off. This wow, is this that, is how you become cool. an apocalyptic. Right. This is how you become yeah, apocalyptic when you when you look at the world and you say, the good that I deserve, I'm not receiving, and the bad that other people deserve, they're not receiving. So this must mean that I will receive my just rewards in the age to come, and they will receive their just punishment in the age to come. So in the age to come, when you when you've reached that enlightened level on Todoist, you will get three free months. I wonder what happens. Do you, do you think that's what happens? Like, does the New Jerusalem come down from heaven? I think so. And- and you you defeat death. Yeah, 
That's got to be what happens when you reach the enlightened level on Todoist. I mean, what else I'm, I'm are we... I'm sticking around for that. <laughs> What's the point if that's not going to happen, right? I'm, I'm going to be like Paul here. This is going to happen next Thursday. I'm going to keep gonna keep chugging along. <laughs> right, exactly. If, if you're doing Todoist, keep doing Todoist. If you're doing Wunderlist, stay with Wunderlist. Just do what <laughs> you're doing. Because yeah. exactly. it's going to happen. Because when Sam reaches the enlightened level next Tuesday, um, <laughs> that will be the end of this age. Maybe that's what happened. Paul didn't, uh, you know, he... he, he he didn't log into his app. He didn't check that it out. That probably off. is what happened. I know. God, Paul. Quit working. Sat around on his yeah. hands. Looking at the sky. Like, man, um, I'm going to make some tents with urine. Speaking of, um, <laughs> speaking of productivity apps, do you... It's time for you to... Um, yeah, now we're going to talk about Donald Trump. No. Um, it's time for you to renew your... <laughs> I was trying to <laughs> It was like a volleyball. Just, I just, you know, it's like in middle school when you when you're on the volleyball team. You're like, I really want to play on the on the real team, and you get that perfect hit, and you're, you you miss it. Anyway, yes, productivity. What about it? It's time for you to Don't decide you if you're going to renew your Evernote. Yeah, I already did. Um, you already did it. I got, right. I got, I got that that notification because I, I do the. I've been doing the yearly thing since 2008, which sounds crazy. Um, it sounds crazy now, but I remember the first time I, I, I signed up for Evernote, I was standing, um, where was I? I was standing on a lake side and I had an iPhone cause it was 2008 and I think I was reading a, an article anyway. And I was like, Oh, this sounds cool. So I signed up for it and I immediately did the premium thing cause you get more stuff for it whatever. So every year I just kind of renewed it because it's kind of like insurance now. Like if you don't have it, for me, if you don't have it, you're always worried like, I, you know, I'm going to wake up and, and not be able to breathe at three o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden it's going to cost me a lot of money or something, you know. Right. Um, I'm going I'm to cut my finger off tonight making, you know, chicken. Um, so I, I, I paid for it. But yeah, it was that kind of moment of like, oh, because I, I could go without it. But then, you know, like we, we had our dogs tags, uh, like our dog city tags, because here in Columbia, you have to get them, your puppies registered and you have to do all the rabies and all that stuff. So when I get those types of things, I just, you know, snap a picture, send it straight to Evernote. And it's like, well, if I ever have to bring up that registration number, you know, that's where that is. And I don't ever have to worry about that kind of stuff. Or, you know, we, we got new uh, insurance cards the other day and I was like, well, you know, because I quit my job and got new insurance so it's like snap snap that's that's gone i don't have to worry about that anymore um so you know it, it's one of those one of those things i don't i don't i don't know that's a weird thing about evernote i don't actively use um like a note-taking app anymore right because i have my i have my field note stuff i use todoist and then i have trello which we use at the agency and that's that's kind of our, our project management system um so so i mean i i still actively use evernote but you know they made all these updates recently and they made a huge deal out of it but honestly like and one of the main things they were like oh it's so much faster now but for me it's no faster and like i open it up my phone and it it is not an exaggeration it takes 30 seconds for me to be able to create a new note which to me is unacceptable 
it's not like that on my computer and stuff, but on my phone. And like, this is kind of the point of it being mobile and being quick and I can just capture everything. Um, and it really has me thinking like when mine comes up, am I going to pay for it? I mean, but the thing is we've been through this. There are no viable alternatives to Evernote right now. Really? Yeah, I mean, unless you really want to like go deep in the stack and use something like Dev and Think or invest in Apple Notes and go that route, or alternatively, if you're a Microsoft person and want to go with OneNote, or if you're you know like a hardcore Google person and want to go with Google Keep and Google Docs and Drive and all that, you know, but you kind of have to pick a silo unless you want to go with right. Evernote because right. Evernote is kind of you know it, it's on everything and that's why they were, I think, really successful in 2008 through 2010 or 11, like back when we were all trying to figure out, okay, we know we need something like this, but which one are we going to go with? Because there, there were a couple of different options back then. And still, there are things like Simple Note, which WordPress bought. And, you know, there's a plethora of note-taking apps, but they don't do what Evernote does. Um, especially when you do like the pro premium level stuff, when you get the OCR and, you know, I, I can I can search for like, insurance card and I get every insurance card that I've had, you know, in the last you know, what, nine years now. And that's right. that's pretty cool. Um Damn it. Nobody can hear you screaming sp- <laughs> <laughs> Right, exactly. Alright, if it does this one more time we're we're going over to the Skype. Yeah. Cause I've I've got that old thing set up. Man, Zencaster, you're letting us down. I know. This is not cool. I mean this is twice and Three weeks, right, or two weeks that it's done this. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was fine last week, but this week. Before, yeah. Um, we'll keep an eye on it, and if I keep talking, so I was just saying, yeah, Evernote, it's great, but like you said, it's it's kind of bloated. They have a lot of work to do, and um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of worried. Long term. I yeah, can see too. them being a day like, man, we're out. Sorry. <laughs> right. So I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, yeah, just the bloatedness of it. I, I don't feel like I haven't used OneNote in a long time, so maybe it's different. But I did use OneNote back in the day, and I, I don't. Nothing would tell me that OneNote would be um, any different as far as its bloat is concerned. I mean, it's a Microsoft product, so. Um, so I don't. I don't know. I mean, it just. But I think about it. It, it is becoming less useful for me because it's so slow on my phone, and. Um, that's where I'm going to capture and also look up uh, the majority of my stuff is when I'm on the go, right? And so the thing that's supposed to make Evernote the most amazing tool is the search capabilities. But I've more than once run into running a search on uh, on my phone in Evernote and it's saying, you know, oh, there's no notes with that when I know for sure that there are notes with that term in it. Um, yeah. I've heard and that like too. if that keeps happening, that's, that's just unacceptable for me. I mean... You know, that's yeah, that's supposed to be especially the one for thing people like us who have, yeah, have like legacy content that goes way, way back. Right, like, I have twenty five thousand notes in Evernote. Like, I need to be able to search them. That's the whole. That's supposed to be the whole point of it, right? Is that you dump everything in there, and we have amazing search capabilities, so you can find exactly what you need when you need it. And if I can't do that, it's not worth it for me. Because you could do that with Google Drive. You know, yeah, like, but the thing I mean, is I, like. I, but how do you use Google Drive as a note-taking device? You create a separate doc for each note you want to take. I mean, that seems a little bit. Eh. 
Um, that that's yeah, no. a workaround. I'm, I'm saying, it's not. Like, it's not really a great workaround. No. OneNote just seems so freaking convoluted. Like I, I always. Yeah. It feels like I'm in Snapchat and I don't know what to do, and I feel like if I touch the wrong thing, I'm going to send somebody like a selfie. Right. <laughs> or because it's like tied in with all the other Microsoft products, so like it's going to somehow connect to your Outlook and send. I don't know, but I'm I'm just not a big fan of Microsoft products. But um, and Outlook is the bane of my existence these days. <laughs> that is the greatest thing about working for myself again. It's Outlook. I know. I, I don't. I love, get how, I love the Microsoft I machine know. now. I don't mind. I mean, I like Microsoft, and and the new stuff is cool. Like Windows 10.1 is actually super nice like uh, i don't have any issues um i don't want to say that you know it's nicer than yeah mac os 10 but it doesn't i don't know it doesn't have that same craft that it, that it did you know windows 8 before um it's kind of like the the you know it's, it's like the hillary clinton of operating systems you know it's like no surprises <laughs> everything's very comfortable yeah, you know, like you, so you, you probably you wouldn't want, pick it. The, yeah, so um, there you go. You, you might get a virus. And you might you might read something in the paper right before you buy a computer that says you shouldn't buy this computer. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. But that but that's not the com- the computer's fault. That's that's the media's fault, or or the virus uh, detector's fault. Anyway, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll leave that there. Um, hmm. Speaking of, so what do you think, when, when our grandchildren go back and listen to this, what do you think um, they're going to they're gonna imagine that we use for computers and, and technology? Sorry, I don't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what they're going to, they're going to be like, wait, what? And, you know, it's yeah. like us trying to describe I don't know um, like an iPad to someone who used a punch card machine right yeah so, it, so won't, the, it won't compute yeah the, the new group is what generation Z What's generation Z yeah which I, I don't know like I'm I'm a little bit well, you know I'm skeptical of this we talked about this recently like these generational things but I'm also skeptical of the what? name like who gets to decide this and like there's some guy who wrote a book who called him Generation Z, and so like, does he just get to decide? I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm cool with that. Well, we had Generation X, and then we had Generation Y. So yeah, but it, it's like Ubuntu. Think, like you, you've got to, <laughs> you know. Yeah, or, but, or it makes, but it kind of makes sense to me to name. I don't know. I guess the letter is like a fine way to do it. But if you think of other generations, like if we're gonna do this this kind of feudal exercise um like there's there's some reason that they have the name they have right you have the greatest generation you have the baby boomers you have millennials right those are like there's a reason and it's tied to something instead of just some random letter i don't know but also you know this guy stands to profit quite a lot if other people take to calling it generation z and oh by the way he has a book on generation z so you should buy the book (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and often what we've seen from a marketing point of view is that the, the letter generations, like X, Y, Z, are the ones that are, like, don't 
have a like a complete um, identity, if you will. You know, like like okay. millennials are very definable. Greatest generation, uh, like. Well, I mean, we think they are anyway. But yeah, right, right, right. But you know what I'm saying. Like, there's a, a very kind of set in stone description of these things, whereas generation or Gen X and Gen Y and Gen Z are, are a little more ephemeral, which is a good thing. But right, like anyway. all generations. Are, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, so Generation Z is supposed to be, what is it, 1995 through 2005? Or something yeah, like that? So. Yeah, <laughs> it's, um... I know you're not buying into it, but I'm trying to push you to, to... Let's think out loud here. Okay, so if it's that age group and they're growing up, which is really weird because I remember 1995. I'm not going to say post-Nirvana world, but in a world that's, um, what, like post-Christian even? Or in, in a country, I would say. <laughs> of course you're going to go there. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, they're post-Christian. No, they're not. Come on, man. No, so this really this really <laughs> bothered me. And that's I know you're baiting me, and I'm, I'm going to take it hook, line, and sinker. You know that already. It's just like McBacon is always going to take an anti-Bart tweet. Right, he's always gonna grab that. <laughs> like, well, well, what's the, right, somebody, somebody's, um, somebody's dissing Bart here. Do <laughs> somebody's dissing Bart on the internet. Do I need to do another tweet storm? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I'm a big fan of McBacon, and that's uh, largely why I try to semi-regularly throw out anti-Bart stuff, just to have him, you know, pull his I mean, head from the books and look around and be like, "Hey, <laughs> wait a second. I need to I need to defend Bart's honor. Um, Should we just post today about uh, how to read Bart? Like this, <laughs> yeah, the, I love that. I was like, so you, you gotta have disclaimer. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I like Bart. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay, so so there's this guy. What's his name? You know what his name is? Bart. He's actually in Chris. He's in he's in Charlotte. He's a pastor of like a church in Charlotte. James Emery White, which is a it's a great name. Um, so Emery this, White. Emery White. James. It's funny because it's White. Emery yep. White. Um, I'm not so, making fun of him. So he has this book that he wrote called Meet Generation Z, Understanding and Reaching the New Post-Christian World. Okay. So, um, you know, his his idea is that, oh, well, we can't talk about, we don't need to talk about millennials anymore because they're like, they're like, Thomas and Sam. Well, I don't know if Sam is like a millennial, but like Tom, like I'm an old millennial, and so like I'm grown and like have a life and maybe have a job, you know, things like that. But so he's like, oh, we don't need to talk about millennials. We need to talk about the next generation, which, by the way, I'm calling Generation Z. And um, he says that they are the first post-Christian generation in American history. And um. I mean, to his to his credit, uh, Jonathan Martin or not sorry, not Jonathan Martin, Jonathan Merritt at Religion News Service, who's doing the interview, pushes him on it. And it's like, you know, you're saying they're post-Christian, but more than 70 percent of Americans identify as uh, Christian. So how are they growing up in a post-Christian world? And he says, well, they're not really because they're just self-defining. But if we mean like Bible believing, heaven and hell existing, Jesus resurrecting Christians, the number would drop rather precipitously. So he's saying, oh, well, if you're going to say 70% of the American population is Christian, I'm going to say they're Christian in name only. 
And so this is the, the big problem that I have with uh, people like uh, James Emery White and other people, um, these evangelicals that are like, oh, well, they're not really Christians. Right. So, I mean, basically what he would be saying is people like Sam and I aren't really Christians. This is nothing new. Sam and I have heard this pretty much our whole lives, right? A vast majority of our lives. Uh, we've heard things like this. I've had people ask me, how can you call yourself a Christian? You know, this really kind of uh, just indignant question. Um, That's why I just and, carry around my certification of ordination. Right. It's like, and of course, you know, um, I obviously uh, went to school for this, did a lot of that. And the main thing that I studied, what I wrote my dissertation on is um these claims of heresy and orthodoxy and identity and the boundary drawing among Christian groups in antiquity. And, and obviously there's a lot that we can learn from that today. So, so this is my, my kind of largest problem with this idea that they're growing up in a post Christian world is that just because not everybody who says they're a Christian looks like you do means that you get to say they're not a Christian, right? Because it, it's just this kind of, honestly, it's kind of weak and uninventive polemics. Right. I mean, if you're going to be like, hey, people like Thomas aren't Christians, then at least throw some like, um, I don't know, like sex claims at us. Like, I mean, you know, accuse us of having orgies and of eating dead babies and stuff like that. I mean, at least make it interesting if you're just going to be polemical against us. <laughs> My favorite part of the article is that his initials are Jew. Jew. So, I as I was reading the article, I kept saying Jew. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, 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 sorry. No. <laughs> I do like that he says, unfortunately, we have churches with an Acts 2 approach and an Acts 17 world. And he, he kind of doesn't, I mean, they don't have time to go into that, but I, I, I like that. But why do you like that? Because it's true. You know, it's, it's, we're not dealing with a sort of a, I don't know, Pentecostal world anymore, where, you know, Acts 2 was always kind of taken as the, you know, kind of a paradigm when, when Peter's given one of his big sermons and he's talking to the God-fearers and, and the Jews in Jerusalem. And it's it's very much a, you know, believe in this will happen, whereas the Act 17, quote, Act 17 mindset is much more sort of, um, I don't know, an, an approach of, of Paul not necessarily trying to convert anyone with hard facts, but it's more of a, I don't know, like an evidence-based thing, if that makes sense. Like, it's, it's more of a, here's my argument based on how it's affected my life, and, and, and I don't completely agree with either. I'm not saying, you know, in that sense, but I'm just saying I like the way that uh, White here kind of breaks down the, the difference between those two. And maybe lays that out as a template for for churches or, or religious groups to think about as they engage young people or or you know whatever aged people moving forward as as culture and society changes. Because you know we we like to think of of something like missions as being very static, and I, we don't talk about mission stuff on this show at all. But you know missions is a, a tricky subject to, to discuss anyway, but it, it's been pretty stagnant, whether you're CBF or Southern Baptist or Presbyterian or UMC or, you know, whatever, like, here's your script, and here's how you talk about Jesus, and 
you know, that leads to the memes on Reddit of, you know, have I told you about my Lord and Savior? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think there's there's something from that point of view to be to be gleaned from from this kind of a conversation. Maybe. I don't. I don't know. I guess so. I mean, I, I know a lot you're of big into missions, but yeah. This interview. Well, I mean, not in the kind of proselytizing sense. In the hey, we're gonna like do things to help other people sense. I'm all about that. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but so part of my issue is that. So yes, like if you accept the worldview of White in this um, interview and in his book, that starts with the premise that a huge percentage of people in this country that claim to be Christian aren't Christian. And by the way, we have these new young people growing up and they're approaching life this way, which I'm obviously skeptical that just because people were born between this year and that year, they automatically view things the same way. Um, then, then that, yeah, that's going to affect how you approach um, how and whether you should evangelize them or proselytize them. Um, I well, but let's let's back up a bit and walk that back, as we say in the marketing world, because White says at the beginning, I would push back a bit on the seventy percent being Christian, and he says it. And it's in quotes. I don't know if right. he said that in air quotes or whatever. At least in light of how the majority of that seventy percent are self-defining and self-designating that term. If we mean Bible believing, heaven and hell existing, Jesus resurrecting. Oops, I hit the microphone. Jesus resurrecting Christians. The number will drop rather precipitously. If you're if you're going to contend for 70% of the American population being Christian, the majority of that number would be Christian in name only. Which if you're going to contend for 70% of the American population being Christian, the majority of that number would be Christian in name only. I think he's saying like if if and I'm not agreeing with him. I think he's saying like if you want to put Christianity into this bubble of you know, heaven and hell existing, Jesus resurrecting Christians. That's not necessarily what he's defining as Christian here as well. Oh, I think it is, 100%. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> definitely, no, he is. No, if you read his yeah. other stuff and, like, look on his website and stuff, yeah, he, he definitely, um, It. I mean, that's his point here, is that he doesn't think that 70% of the of this country is Christian because he thinks they're Christian in name only because they're not Bible believing heaven and hell existing Jesus resurrecting Christians. Okay. At least as he defines all of those things. No, he a hundred percent does not think that seventy percent of America is Christian. That's the only way he can get to his. They're living in a post-Christian world, right? And so, if you have that mindset, then it's really easy to go from there and say, "Oh man, we evangelicals have a really big job. We've got to proselytize our country. We've got to save America, right?" And you can. That's kind of necessary in a lot of strands of evangelicalism in this country. That you have to have some mission field that you can go and save. Right, And the reality is that you and I are part of that mission field for people like this. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading up on him now. Uh, Dr. White holds a BS degree in public, public relations and business, along with an MDiv and PhD degrees from Southern, where he was awarded a Garrett Teaching Fellowship in both New Testament and theology. Hmm. 
so I mean, like that's fine. Like that's his perspective, and that's whatever. I mean, that's just like your opinion, man. You know, but <laughs> I, I get. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so anyway, I know people are going to come at me and be like, "Oh, this means you don't believe in absolute truth and things like that," and that's fine. You can come at me with that, but like it doesn't hurt me at all. Like I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I guess yeah. Maybe that's what this all boils down to. Like I just do not care what you you know what other people think about you know my religiosity and i don't think other people care what i think about their religiosity i do care about the the power that definitions have uh the power that they have um both socially uh, religiously and politically and, and i think that's important and this is why i harp on it's always about money and power because those are the implications and the effects that these things have as well Right? These are not neutral um, things, activities that we're engaging in when we uh, define things like this, right? So it's breaking right now that um, Trump is going to sign a religious liberty executive order uh, tomorrow, which, you know, we don't want to make this too time sensitive, but he's going to so- try to sign another religious liberty executive order that's going to say basically that, um, yes, if, if your God says you need to discriminate against gay people, then you should be allowed to do that. That obviously flies in the, fra- in the face of uh, religious liberty and the religious liberty tradition in this country. It flies in the face of the separation of church and state. And, and, and definitions made by when we favor one religious definitions of certain things over um, a, a, another's or over the group's benefit, then what happens is these groups are necessarily harmed by that. So, so I, I care greatly um, in, in the work that goes into and the effects of definitions. So, so that's why I'm kind of harping so much on his, well, 70% of, the, of America aren't really Christians because they're just Christians in name only because they don't look and talk and think exactly like I do. That has real implications. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, and, and seeing that background really does help, you know, and understanding where that's coming from not to say the context you know matters but context matters yes um, when it's, it's kind of but it, you, you can you can frame any of these arguments in ways that are, are a little more sterile so it's not like i'm being completely offensive because i'm billy you know or franklin graham jr dash falwell you know like you, you can say things that um you know kind of sound you know, bat poop crazy if you're if you're coming from a certain context without making them really sound crazy, like Trump or Pence with the religious liberty stuff. Like, yeah, religious right. liberty sounds great. Signing the law, sure, please. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, obviously, I was making the rounds earlier, but Jerry Falwell Jr., the president of Liberty University, says that evangelicals have found their dream president in Donald Trump, which kind of tells you a lot, right? We also have data come out from Pew this week that says essentially the more that white evangelicals go to church, the more likely they they are to support Trump. I mean, that to me is we can't ignore that. Right. So there's something going on in white evangelicalism right now, which we've talked about. I've written about. Right. Our listeners are probably really tired of hearing us talk about it on here. Um, but there's something going on here that we can't miss. And, and, and I think it's really important because the implications of this, the consequences of this are for some people life and death. And yeah. with Trump's executive order that he's apparently planning to sign, um, we're going to see that. We're going to we're going to see that kind of very clearly. So, well, we've already you know with like Obamacare and 
right. Medicare. And yeah, we're already seeing this, but we're just going to continue to see more of it. But again, I mean, I think that, yes, Trump is implicated in all this and Trump is responsible. But we, we cannot let, in my opinion, white evangelicals off the hook. I mean, there are still 80% of white evangelicals who ap- approve of Donald Trump. And the more like, you know, the more you go to a white evangelical church as a white evangelical, the more you are, to, the more likely you are to support him. That's, that's, I don't know. That's kind of telling and, 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 you know, I might even say that that's pretty damning evidence. So what you're saying is there's something happening here, what it is and exactly clear. <laughs> Man, that's exactly what I'm saying. <sighs> so it, right uh, so we got this question on twitter this week that mm-hmm. lines up with all this too right what is christian or in sync with the teaching of jesus about donald trump's lifestyle or policies and that's a really good question and of course the answer depends on who you are and how you define christian and of course uh, our author that we're talking about here james emory white would say well there's a lot that's christian about him because you know blah 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 i would guess i don't know i actually haven't heard him talk about trump but we do know that jerry falwell jr right he's the dream president for evangelicals right he is perfectly christian because he's apparently though not really perfectly republican right he's really not and in fact i mean what does trump have going for him to be the dream evangelical president he's anti-gay people he's anti-black and brown people right but is he that's his resume for being do what is he i mean he does kind of come across as being pretty moderate right for i mean not hmm, i'm trying to Watch my words carefully here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's think about this for a second. I mean, but they're right. I mean, everybody's been saying this week, or we have to look at what he does and not what he says, which honestly is <clears throat> just an excuse for we have an idiot for a president. But yeah, well, sure. I'm not saying that. But, but look, at, I mean, this I'm executive not, order not, that he's going to sign and he's going to say, no, it should be legal for you to discriminate against um, LBGTQ people if you think your religion says that you should discriminate against them. But he's he's come out and said, you know, Obergefell and that type of legislation is not something that he wants to take up because he doesn't have a problem with it. Well, then actions matter more than words, right? I'm sure your parents told you that. My parents told me that a lot growing up. No, my um, parents don't. Okay, well. I, I, I just think it doesn't matter, right? All the, yeah, we'll it's it's it. the same thing with Ivanka. And they're like, oh, well, Ivanka is really trying to be this moderating force on Donald Trump. But it's like, well... She's, it's apparently not working, and it, you're not going to make me, you know, feel sorry for her, or all of a sudden like love her because you know she's this like secret moderating force on Trump because it's not not doing anything, right? His <laughs> actions still have real consequences. Yeah. I also just think this is just this just huge kind of narrative that everybody loves. We we want to have some reason to hope, and so we don't want to hate Ivanka because she's pretty. Right. So we can't think that she's like a bad person. So now we're going to be like, oh, well, she's actually trying to like moderate her dad. And and she cried when she saw the video of him saying that he, uh, he that he was laughing about sexually assaulting women. Right. OK, well, that's fine. But you, 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 don't you don't remember how much hell Chelsea Clinton that. got when she was 13. Right. And, and, and it's and just like and now I remember, we're all like, I was oh, the same we have age to worship her. at the altar of we have to worship at the altar of Ivanka. And it's like, no, don't. Don't give me that crap. Like your dad's a president and, and the things that he says and things he does and the executive orders that he signs have real consequences. And yeah, so I, I don't, I mean, sure. So Trump mentioned in one speech, 
LGBTQ people, okay? Great. And he says, oh, well, Obergefell is the law of the land. Okay, that's fine. But then um, he's, he's, gonna he's still going to turn around Indiana and sign law. this yeah. order. Right, exactly. Same thing that we talked about two years ago. Yeah. And this is, you know, again, what you and I have been talking about for a while. Like, this is the next big, like, um, you know, social fight in this country is religious liberty. And, and, and we're seeing it now with executive orders. And, and it's it's going to mean that we got to fight against it. Um, well, and the problem but, is no one really talks about religion on the level of it, it's like healthcare. It's complicated, right? You know, it's it's not as easy as saying Jesus said it, God wrote it down. I believe it, or wherever that saying is. Yeah, but but that's what people think. You know, like well, you know, if you if you just believe, then you receive. That's what we hear here in South Carolina. <laughs> You just believe, then you receive, right? It's the ABCs. Yeah. Always be closing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what you need? <laughs> <laughs> the leads are weak. You're weak. Ah, oh, man. I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what happens with this uh, religious liberty piece of work. Well, I'm, I mean, particularly now that he's got Gorsuch on the court, right? I mean, we don't know where it's going to go. So, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be challenging the courts. Absolutely. I would imagine that it will end up being overturned um, because it would seem to violate the Constitution. But I mean, Trump has um, shown evidence time and time again. He doesn't appear to actually know it's in the Constitution. So, um, well, you've got, you know, the 12th. Uh, what, what do you say? The, the 12th article, the, the 15th. Right. Article. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fun. All right. So we need a, you know, slash end rant, I guess, for me there. There you go. Uh, on top of all the, uh, how many recordings? We're up to 18 recordings now with all the technical <laughs> issues. Ridiculous. Yeah. You're welcome, everybody, yeah. if you hear this in the next two weeks. I'm not doing anything, you know, just making podcasts all day. Right. So have you come up with a good closing for us yet since mine is not going to work anymore? Um, no, I, I've always thought we should go out with a bang, like, like with a really deep thought. Do you have a really deep thought? Hmm. I've got one. If you okay. don't. I mean, right, no, so- I've got lots of deep thoughts. I was going to talk about the bodily resurrection, but you go for it. <laughs> okay. I was just going to get back on Trump's executive order thing. <laughs> I was just Let gonna go. read read one of my. No, I was just gonna you know thing I tweeted out earlier today was a you guy that read wants, a tweet to finish your podcast. Read a tweet exactly. Is God, that you're so gentrified. All right, read your tweet. I'll I'll put my finger on the stop button. <laughs> if that's uncool, I won't read my tweet. I'll let you talk about the bodily. No, please read your tweet so we can put it on the podcast. And, yeah. You can go have chicken and waffles or whatever you people do. Yeah. Read your tweet. No, this is what I always say. Like, all my best content's on Twitter, so I'll leave it there, and you'll have to come follow me on Twitter. No, read it. Is this like a you hang up first? No, you hang up first. <laughs> I feel like we're 13-year-old people. I was going to say boys. Um, no, yeah. T- please, please, Thomas, please. Please read your tweet. No, the thing I said earlier today was just that a God that wants you to discriminate against other people is not a God worth following. 